Hello and welcome to No Applause, Just the Clap, the only show that asks, Deb, describe a grambly gunk. Like, like as an object or as a feeling? <laughs> as an object or a feeling? Well, no, like a grambly gunk feeling would probably just be very uncomfortable and possibly that not-so-fresh feeling. As an object, I would assume it was some kind of creature. Yeah. Like... Maybe like one of the little goblins from the labyrinth. Okay. I can see one of them being named Grambly Gunk. Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. These are all correct answers. I'm just, like I said, that that not so fresh feeling. (laughs) No, it was a very fresh feeling. I'm all Grambly Gunk. Exactly. I don't feel good about this segue at all. You asked. I did. So, in case you're wondering what we're referencing, uh, we're referencing. Some people do. Uh, last week's, uh, I said they might be giants, uh, which did appear on the soundtrack for this show, The Walking Dead. Yes, there was a They Might Be Giants song on The Walking Dead. It was fucking awesome. Um, this episode was about uh, Eugene coming into the uh, the Savior's little, like, foundry community. Mm-hmm. And um, basically my notes are about, like, Eugene's play... The Grambly Gook, and then we'll talk about The Talking Dead in a little bit, because you and I both talked about that off air. Um, because um, it was a must-watch. It was a must-watch. Um, so basically, Negan's taken in Eugene. Eugene uses his high school science teacher knowledge to convince <laughs> Negan that he worked on the Human Genome Project. Yes, my hand is to my face already. Um, his ability to chameleon, much like Carol's, is very impressive. Well, he's a survivor. He had to develop these skills. Um, it's really funny. I really think the word survivor should be synonymous with the word liar. Really? Why? In most situations to survive, you have to become a fucking liar and a manipulator. I'm trying to think of one character on The Walking Dead that's never lied. Oh, it's impossible not yeah, to lie in no, the post-apocalyptic yeah. world. Maybe Herschel. Maybe Herschel. Herschel lied to himself. Oh yeah, no, that's actually a really good point. You lied to yourself. Yeah, if you don't take like an out, actually like overt lie, like that, you're lying to yourself. And I don't mean this in a bad way whatsoever. But to be a survivor in really terrible situations, whether it be physical abuse, mental abuse, disease, famine, anything like that, you have to lie to yourself a lot. And the biggest lie would be that you're going to come out the other side. Doesn't mean it won't become true eventually, but when well, you're saying it for to yourself, some people, you don't but I mean, fucking know. That's true, but I mean... Like I said, I do think the word survivor should be synonymous with liar, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't mean like that in a, You're a liar! Right. No, I agree with that, based on that criteria. No, I like that. Um, like, it's just like optimism is basically a lie. <laughs> Everything that, will be great. That's, I agree with that. Being a Pollyanna, it does no one any good. Um, Do you think people still understand what that means? Pollyanna? Well, Pollyanna's based on the movie Pollyanna. Well, it was a book first. Well, yes, but most people know the Disney movie. Right, yeah. The Disney movie Pollyanna, and she plays the glad game, where she thinks about things that she's glad about to make herself happy. Yeah, exactly. You'd be terrible at that. How many people do you think still understand what being a Pollyanna means? It's not that... Apparently somebody's getting robbed out my window. Well, not out your window. Well, you know what I mean, though. Maybe something happened at the 7-Eleven. 
What was the name of the Decepticon that was the cop car? Is that Inceptor? I don't remember. Or Inceptor? <laughs> it's been a really long time, Josh. Yeah, no, I had the Happy Meal toy with him. Anyway. Sorry, back to the... Uh, back to so, the Eugene's made his play. He said it with Negan, apparently. Um, he, said, he said the words like, you know, who are you? I am Negan. Um, but is he, you know, being truthful? Is he lying to Negan? Um, or is he just chameleon uh, chameleoning, I guess? Um, is he, you know, having that, like, shift because, like, much like Carol, where it's like, she can become what she needs to become to survive. It's a survival technique. Yes. Absolutely. Um, the Grembly Gook comes from the fact that early on in the episode, he needs to get these certain items from um, the, I don't, like the kind of like, like the post-apocalyptic bazaar, um, and I mean that by a B A Z A A R um, definition. Um, just said black market. Well, it's not a black market, though. Um, but it's like, you know, where they get all their, you know, stuff, and you sign out and say, like, I have this many credits, and I want uh, peaches today, or a jar of pickles, as the case may uh, be made in the episode watching it. But, uh... You think peaches and, would be more valuable than pickles, because pickles keep way longer. It, it, you have to watch the episode for the whole peaches thing, because you can make um, a... Um, a variation on arsenic from their peach pits. Hey, um, that makes sense. It's yeah, like so, a... no, so at one point, yeah, he gets asked to make a, basically a suicide pill um, to release one of Negan's wives from her shame. Um, he puts it together that they're trying to kill Negan um, and doesn't do it. But Boo. at one point he's like, you know, I need this, this, and this. And the lady's like, there's a line, like get in the fucking line, haircut. They keep calling him haircut because of an awesome mullet or Tennessee top hat, as he calls it. Um, and there we go. And uh, at one point, like he gets, he goes back to the, you know, he starts to get back in line and he's like, no, he doesn't say fuck you, but he's like, no, fuck this. Like I answered in Negan, like I am the head guy, you know, I'm the new science he's the guy. Need um, after they chucked the doctor into a fire. Um, oh, it was brutal, uh, as, as Walking Dead can go. And, um, he goes, I'll need, like, you know, this medication and this thing. And he grabs the bedpan. He's like, I'll need this for some reason. Like, he just starts grabbing but shit. But it's also, like, it's one of those, like, almost rocket raccoon and that guy's leg. Yeah. Oh, very much. Very much. But it's more, it's more of him empowering himself, which is, I'll get to that point in a second. Uh, but at one point he grabs uh, like this like little sock monkey sloth hybrid stuffed animal and he goes he goes and I don't know what this is but I'm gonna call it a grambly gunk and I need it um, which whenever Eugene talks I love I love Eugene's dialogue forever um, almost as, as as much of like the Abrahamisms with you know yeah. Mother Dick and. Lucian's make my balls itch and what Just all that. Just so you know, I now say mother dicker way more than I say mother dick so much at work. It's 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 ridiculous. Um, mother ridiculous and 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 so. It's mother ridiculous. So um, we also coined the "You're killing me softly, Smalls," which is the. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. Yeah, the Sandlot Fuji. Please, no, please, please make up. a meme. I need uh, you to make a I, I will I will figure something out. I'll make a note about it. Remind me after the show. I just like I, I don't know if it's him with the Lauren Hill kind of fro from that video or what. 
Yeah, no, yeah, I guess that's she, the only way you could really do it. Like I said, she's got the Afro puff in that video. Yeah, no, I like it. Admittedly, she'd hate it, you know, since she hates white people. Well, yeah, no, that's, I got brought up while we were... My sensei, appropriating black culture. Well, I think we were, her, her and Erica Badu probably are like this. Nah. Is Erica Badu that racist against white she's people? She's not, but she does have a big problem with, quote-unquote, white culture appropriating black culture. What was and it? I kind of want to be with her, I kind of want to go to her and be like, why can't we all just like the things that we like? Because what was what did Lauren Hill say? She goes. She I'd rather out, have my children starve than have white people buy my albums. Yeah, because it was the. Re- I mean, I'm paraphrasing. The, was it the reeducation of Lauren Hill, which is based on the reeducation? Mis- is it miseducation? Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Like I said, I'm I'm paraphrasing, but the basic gist of it was I'd rather have my kids starve than have white people buy. My she got album. a lot of kids. I um, think she has six or seven now, and only like five of them are with uh, Ziggy Marley. So, wow, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um... So I love Eugene's play. What does it mean for the saviors? What does it mean for the groups that are coming up against the saviors? It ought to be interesting, especially because Negan knows that Eugene built the bullet that almost killed Negan. So it's not just like, oh, I'm going to have like fun science experiments on the lawn, like was on the episode and was on Talking Dead. But um, that, you know, will Negan have him build an armory to go against well, Hilltop, just, Alexandria, the, the kingdom. Bullet. Huh? Well, Negan have him build the better bullet. That's very true. So we'll see. Um, the following episode of Talking Dead about that episode was a must watch. Uh, not only because God. it had Josh McDermott, who plays Eugene. And I can't remember the name of the guy, but it's the guy that plays Dwight. Um, and then Little John. Who, you, who was... The hell, how the hell did they even book Little John? They... They always try to have, like, a celebrity who's into the yeah, show. I, I get that, but it's just, like, how, how did... Like, I don't know who does their booking, but good on you, Good Sarah on them, Matt. and I guarantee you, it's probably a lot of Twitter. It's probably a lot of Little John, like, tweeting out about Walking Dead every week, and they're like, oh, shit, Little John likes our show. Maybe we should reach out to him. And any Walking Dead fan, it doesn't matter if you're Little John or, 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 or us, if you get... A, a direct tweet that says, would you want to be on Talking Dead? You jump at it. To be part of the conversation, as they say. So, um, it was a must watch. Please watch it. There was a lot of, what? Yeah, yeah. Jokes. Um, as well as, you know, little John actually behaved really well. Like, I I didn't think it was going to be a Marilyn Manson level shit show. Oh, God, but I thought so it was going to be a lot of bleeping. And it, and it wasn't. Like, little John caught himself a few times where he was like, Dude, that was gangsta as F. And it was like almost funnier hearing him but say it's just that. just one of those things where he, he is, despite what you may think, he is an adult that knows how to act appropriately in yeah. situations. But you know, when Marilyn you. Marilyn Manson ex- is not. When you, well, yeah, he made <laughs> a bottle of vodka out of Crowton. Yeah. What was going on there, Manson? There's so many speculations on that. Um, Has he said anything? Manson? Did he ever release. I don't think he did. I think he just went, yeah, uh moving on like I don't think he was like it needs to even be addressed whereas like I think Jack Osborne released something Hardwick released something um yeah because it was such a shit show and I can't remember the other person that was on I think it was a producer I think it was Gail Ann Hurd or Denise um not Bluth um Denise Luth or, or whatever her name is um, I, I think whatever other producer was like, yeah, despite its ups and downs, like, you know, we had a good conversation. And you're like, yeah. Um, 
I do like going back to that episode every once in a great while and watching like parts of it on YouTube though, because it's oh, just a so fucking train wreck. Um, However, so Lil John on Talking Dead, Hardwick has been sporadically putting stuff up on Instagram, and my personal favorite is the one where he said, "quote Lil John found little Lucille." And it's Hardwick on his knees with little John behind him with the little Lucille replica bat. I thought it was really fucking funny. Just cracked me the hell up. So, the rumors have been... Well, I shouldn't say rumors. I think they've actually said that at some point the Fear the Walking Dead and Walking Dead are going to intersect. And still, everyone gives zero fucks about Fear the Walking Dead. Well, I think being that Fear the Walking Dead is at the very beginning of... The zombie apocalypse. And you... Rick was in the coma for a year, right? I don't think it's explicitly said, but yeah, I imagine about... Well, I mean, I don't know if it was a year from the outbreak or a year from when he went into the coma. Um, I, I don't know, but, uh... Well, like I said, it's just... How long will it take them to meet up, and will Fear of a Walking Dead last that long? Because seriously, people give zero Well, I fucks. think it'll be a matter of... And we'll use this as a segue. Okay. I think... The crossover, if if and when they do it, that you'll see at least, obviously, one character from Fear the Walking Dead so that you make the connection. But they may be with a slightly different group than they have now, obviously. You have a point. Like I said, it might be something that, that connects but doesn't connect. I think it would be it the... It might be more the, of a, the fear an the walking, as opposed to an actual crossover. I think it'll be the equivalent of a Fear the Walking Dead flash forward. Where it's like... Yeah, yeah. You have the one character or a couple characters that might have survived, but what happened to the rest of them? And you're watching Fear the Walking Dead to figure out when that payoff happens. But that payoff is years away um, in terms of if Walking Dead, which it does, runs in, quote-unquote, like, not real time, but, you know. It's, it's vaguely. But you know what I mean? like It's not like Last Man on Earth where we're still within, like, the first four months despite the fact that we're on season two or three. But, I mean, they might have episodes that go, three episodes that cover a week of their life, but I, I think Kirkman has come out and said, like, you know, it, it's, just... it's roughly, every season's roughly between six and 12 months of but their like life. like I said, they also do big time jumps as well. Yeah. Like I said, you might have... Where everything's episodes. okay for a couple months. Well, and you don't see those because the there's no is, drama. But like I said, that's the thing. That's that's life. You have weeks where fucking everything in the entire world happens, and then you have a couple months where nothing happens. You do your job, you go to work, stuff, things, but it's nothing you're ever going to really remember. Life is just a misery show with random commercials of happiness. I'm paraphrasing Deadpool there, but yeah. I want to throw the bottle at you. Because it was horribly, horribly paraphrased, wasn't it? Yeah, really bad. And then he's like, now back to your regular scheduled programming, programming and falls over. Do you have any more thoughts on the Talking Dead? Uh, no. Can we talk about the Deadpool teaser? Uh, I, yeah. Well, let's we'll jump to that. We're I we're gonna get like... we're gonna get in some spoilers, folks. Oh, super spoilers! Because this is gonna Logan. this is gonna like crazy spoilers. This is gonna launch Pat into Logan. So Deadpool teaser. I thought it was hilarious. I however feel that Ryan Reynolds' ass should have been a lot more scarred up when it was pressing against the outside. You couldn't tell. I mean, really. Technically, no. It was a medium wide shot. Um, maybe frosted glass. Not frosted glass, but aged glass. I would have said filmy. You know, yeah. from the filth of the city. Yeah, grimy. Grimy. So. Sorry, I should have gone with grimy. But still, I feel like there should have been more scars on his ass. 
Were you really looking that closely? I was. Fair enough. Um, I loved it. You it was weren't. such a lead junked. Screw you, Stanley! Um, I, I did love the uh, the John Williams score. Oh, God, yes. From Superman, the original uh, Dick Donner Superman stuff. I am incredibly glad that they addressed the fact that there was a fucking phone booth. Because that's the first fucking thing I thought is, why the fuck is there a phone booth? And he brings it up. Like that, I said, that, I'm so glad they addressed that. What is this, that. like 1998 or whatever he I says? I think it was like 92, but still. Um, and that fact that he goes, and you would have been safe if you were Wolverine. What does he ever wear? Just a tank top and jeans, which, by the way, happens three times in Logan. He only has fight scenes. In a tank top and jeans? Yeah, in a wife beater and an undershirt and jeans. And I'm not even kidding. Like, that's... I paid attention because of that joke from the Deadpool teaser. Now, did the Deadpool teaser give us anything about Deadpool 2? No. No, other than Deadpool's in it. But Like I said, however, I did like the fact that he got to talk a little bit more about Wolverine. Because, you know, he made a lot of those jokes. He did. He's got a pair of smooth ones down under. under. Uh, smooth criminals down under. And it rhymes with Pulverine. And, but, uh, you know, the whole Hugh Jackman joke with him snakeling the face. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of jokes. So I'm glad that they attached this to Logan. I thought, that and Logan owes a lot to Deadpool in terms of the R rating. It does. Like I said, we all know that Hugh Jackman actually took a pay cut to make sure it was yes. an R rating. And... It is smashed box office records when it comes to a release in March. Yeah. I was going to say, it did incredibly well. And it it's has really, really good. Like I said, it has incredibly good word of mouth. Ooh. And I really like that they did the Deadpool teaser in lieu of a post-credit, which it should be obvious to everyone. It didn't have a post-credit because this is kind of the end of the era. Absolutely. This is the end of, I'm sorry, I made notes to talk about uh, Logan. Oh, that's fine. At, just... at a bar after I watched it, like I was gonna, make, I was making the notes to like talk to a friend who had already seen it. So, uh, uh. the like that's that's how much the movie was. Well, like I said, I do like that they did the the Deadpool teaser in lieu of the post credit. Yeah, I think that was a very smart idea. And it wouldn't have made any sense. I mean, I mean, it would have, but it wouldn't have. No, like I said, I think it's, I think it's very smart they didn't do a post credit because. This is the coda. This is the end. Uh, Hugh, Hugh Jackman has said he'll only reprise Wolverine. If it's part of the Marvel Universe. If their Avengers involved. involved. Mm-hmm. Which, I was talking to a co-worker. It's not unheard of, but I think Fox is still making enough money off the I, X-Men. Well, I don't see it happening. You know, Sony gave up Spider-Man because of the Sony mail hack. and Sony j- gave up Spider-Man because they fucked it up twice. Let's talk um, about the Fantastic Four. No, that they fucked up. I think Marvel's got that back. Like I said, speaking of fucking things up twice. Um, no, Sony gave up Spider-Man for a couple reasons. One, um, Sam Raimi Spider-Man 3. Um, oh, two, Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, that wasn't terrible. They just didn't want to work with Andrew Garfield anymore. And three, well, that Sony Japan had not seen, and this is huge, had not seen the emails between Sony America and Marvel. And they looked at the numbers that Sony America left on the table, uh, or that Marvel had given, you know, Sony America, that they had turned down. And, yeah, Sony Japan was like, uh, yeah, get back in there and say yes, and half you twats are fucking fired. I think it's more like three quarters of you twats, but yes. But, yeah. Um, So that's how Marvel got Spider-Man Fox. 
still sees X-Men and all the X-Men related stuff as a billion dollar industry and it is. It, it is. Um, up to and including, you know, Apocalypse, Legion with FX. Like I said, despite the fact that Apocalypse didn't do as well as they wanted it to. That's because it it's, was a very No, it great wasn't. Movie. It wasn't. It still did well. And Days of Future Past did incredibly well. Yeah. It's like a great I movie. said, first class did very well. Yeah. Logan's doing great. They still... Logan's... Uh, Logan. <laughs> nice. You uh, Legion Oh, is... my God! The Logan-Legion crossover. Logan. I've watched the crap out of that. Oh, who um, wouldn't? And with an undef- un- undefined, like, time period, like, that can happen. But, um... Well, yeah, but Legion is being a, a, a critical darling. Um, you know, they're doing New Mutants, they're doing X-Force with Deadpool. Legion's actually doing well critically, but it's actually doing very well viewer-wise Good. as well. Um, it needs to be. Unfortunately, um, we'll talk about that later. It's FX, and FX takes way too long to put any of their stuff up on Hulu. So, since I don't have cable, if I want to watch it, I have to illegally download it. In terms of Legion, I like the week to week because I y- you get that Logan uh, that Legion's doing well on the week to week. But like I said, since they don't, since FX but puts up whole series, whole seasons on Hulu instead of doing a week to week on episodes, if I want to watch Legion right now, I have to illegally download it because my work schedule is such. Also, none of my friends have fucking cable that I'm not going to be able to make time to go over to somebody's house and watch and, it, and, even if and, they have DVR. Demand, yeah. Like I said, who do we know that actually has cable and DVR? Dude, DVR? I don't know anyone who actually has DVR. Should I say TiVo? No. But it's just one of those things where it's like, does FX do on demand? Yeah. Do they? I don't know, now that you say it that way. Well, no, that's the thing, is that not all networks do on demand when it comes to cable. I, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like they're making it hard to access... Uh, I was going to say access. So yeah. I feel like, like they're making it very hard for people who don't... And I, I get their thing. They want people to have FX and FXX, which is where they send good shows to die, trying Correct. to make that network work. Fuck you guys. Killed the league. Now you're going to kill. You're the worst. <laughs> they're moving there? I think so. Shit. I'm not... A, no, that's a lie. No, that's where they sent um, Always Sunny and the league. Yeah, but always Sunny's got enough of a cult following. They'll, they'll be So fine. did the league. You send it to FFX. That's where people can't find it. Nobody yeah. has that freaking channel. They're trying to make this channel work, so they keep sending their hit shows there, and then they die within two or three seasons. I could have watched the league for, like, another ten seasons. Die, I don't know. I don't think they would have made another ten. Okay, fine. No Four. You think you have any idea how much I would have loved to see Andre awkwardly try and be in a relationship, married, raising somebody else's kid that everybody knows about but he doesn't know about? Oh, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. No, you could mind that. Mm-hmm. Um, would I have loved to see Chalupa Batman actually grow up and be self-aware that he's named after a bet because of his father's fantasy league? Would I love to see Ellie go to college and realize that bullying never stops because of her parents in a fantasy league that bully everyone? That's true. Uh, did you want to... Oh, sorry. Yeah, like you kind of... Well... Legion. No, do you want to do Legion or Logan? Let's do Logan first. Okay. Um, my notes that I talked about, um, and it's been spoiled for you. Oh, God. Yeah, both of my fucking male co-workers. One of them saw it on Friday, and one of them saw it on Saturday. 
And I just gave up trying to make them not spoil it and let them talk about it with each other. Because um, I don't normally mind about spoilers, but I really did want to see this one. Well, I literally have my notes written down, so if you want to skip this week and have a spoiler-free in terms of Logan well, for the show... No, it's fine. Okay. Spoil the crap out of it. I am going to go pee. Um, my notes, uh, in order, I love that like he was living in the city, but he died like in a forest. Like He died in nature. I thought that was very poignant. And I really like the idea of him, like, dying in nature, especially after all the time he spent in Japan kind of reconnecting with himself. Correct. I mean, that, that's kind but of But I think the character was... Go. Uh, I think the character was... I think physically built to be in a city, but mentally was always about nature. I mean, how many times have you seen Wolverine run through a forest hunting? It's essential to the character. So for him to die in a forest... Um, oh, I guess, spoiler alert, he dies. Um, kind of buried the lead on that one, didn't I? I thought it was very poignant. Um, I thought Laura's, or X-23's, as I'm going to call her, uh, Foot Claw, which I knew about from, uh, and I've read the comics, so I'll give you kind of a background a little bit real quick. Um, I read the comic Old Man Logan, I know who X-23 is, I read NYX and uh, the new, newer, New Mutants. Um, I thought the foot clock kind of sucked. I'll be perfectly honest. Sucked in what way? Um, I think that like that's visually that's it was underutilized, and the action was so fast you can never tell when she's using it. Hey, you think it might be easier on a smaller screen? Maybe. Because I mean, sometimes when you have action like that on a big screen, it's so much you can't. Really it's so tell overwhelming, what's and you don't on. know what's going on. So it might be better on a smaller screen. That I agree with. Um, now, when Wolverine's dead, we've already broached that subject. He's dead. He's real dead. He's real dead. Um, you know, they're... they're... I would like to interrupt you for a minute. Doug, you are a gentleman. Not only do you put the seat down, you put the lid down. Oh. Okay, I guess. It just made me laugh. Also, apparently the toilet's stuck on a cycle, so I gotta take the toilet off the tank. Okay. Well, do you want me to pause or something? No, you're fine. Okay. Well, when Wolverine is dead and they bury him, that's really loud. That's really... So now we're hearing that. It's alright. Sometimes the chain gets stuck, and so you have to stop it so it doesn't keep refilling itself. Uh, do you want to close the door for me? Thank you. Fine. Um, when they're burying Wolverine, uh, who has sacrificed himself for what I'm going to call the new mutants for right now, I'm a little sad they didn't do, like, a Darth Vader-style burning, because I kind of wanted to see his animantium skeleton. Which we'll get into. Um, Why? Well, I'm a weirdo. When they have, like, the cross, you know, you know, the, like, stick, you know, the stick cross. The grave marker? Huh? The grave marker? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. With the sticks tied together? Yeah. And Laura, X-23, takes the cross out, and I'm like, what the fuck? And she, like, lays it on its side so it's an X. I'll tell you right now, I got a little misty. Being he is effectively the last X-Men. Because it's implied at some point, uh, Professor X has got some, like, neuro, like, degenerative disease, mm -hmm. which gives him seizures, which may or may not have killed 600 people in Westchester, New York, and it has implied all of the X-Men except for Wolverine. <laughs> like, there's a moment where he's like, he becomes lucid enough from the anti-seizure drug he's like I remember what I did and I killed all of our all of our friends and you're like holy fuck 
But if you ever read Old Man Logan, all of them were well, dead in that as well. Yes, but that's because Wolverine Except killed Frost? them. Mm, yeah. yeah, she survives because she ends up marrying Black Bolt to preserve either peace or the mutant species or and something. Like I said, I think she was the only... I, I could be completely wrong, but I think Emma Frost was the only one left of like Man Logan. Of, of X-Men? Yes, not mutants. Yeah, that's what I meant. Because um, Hawkeye's daughter's got some kind of powers because she's Peter Parker's granddaughter, I think, if I remember right. Because he bangs... It's been a while. Because Hawkeye bangs Peter, one of Peter Parker's daughters. Um, when you say that, it sounds really, really nasty. Well, then read the comic. No, um, it's not that. It's if you think about the last Avengers movie... Well, Civil War, when you have how young Peter Parker is and the age that, you know, Hawkeye is now. Jeremy Renner? Yeah. But I'm just saying, think about, you know, you've got young Spider-Man and much older Hawkeye, and then he bangs one of Peter Parker's daughters. It's implied that all of his daughters pretty much have daddy issues, so I don't think But I'm just weird. saying, like, he would, he would he'd be an old man. It, it's like an Anna Nicole Smith situation. I wouldn't put it that far. Really? Peter Parker hasn't had any children yet. He probably won't have children for I'd another say, eight I'd to say ten Harrison years. I'd say Harrison Ford close to Flockhart thing. She is not that much younger than him. What, like twenty years? Yeah. This would be more like a forty-year difference. Mm. Hawkeye's what? Probably in his mid to late forties, and I'm being no, polite when I no. say that. I'm being polite when I say that. No way. Wait, in the comic or in the movies? In the movies. No way. Who the fuck is calling me? Doesn't matter. Um, still doesn't matter. But uh, it actually doesn't. It you do have the introduction of like I think Richter and a few other characters. Um, is this the birth of new mutants? I think they're setting from what I'm to gather they're setting the new mutants movie like now like in current times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is this a missed opportunity to do like the future of mutants and have the new mutants movie set in twenty? 29 or whatever it was? Mm-hmm. That's a question. Um, Is it a misstep to do a New Mutants movie set in the current times as opposed to following the kids that Logan saved and having them be, quote-unquote, maybe not New X-Men, but the New Mutants? Because they talk about how mutants have been born for a while, and, uh, and that's due to this government thing. Um, do you think it's a misstep I think it depends on who they have write the script, and I think it depends on the director. Because it could be great both ways. I know that sounds like a cop-out answer, but it's just one of those, if you think about it, like, with the right writer and the right director, both of them could be phenomenal ideas. I agree. It's like every time I hear about somebody else getting attached to doing, uh, I was going to say, Sandman adaptation. It's either going to be awesome or it's going to be terrible. It really depends on the adaptation. And Neil Gaiman has said he'd rather have no Sandman movie than a bad one. Well, you know, when Joseph Gordon-Levitt got attached to the project, it was really exciting. And then he detached himself from the project. And, and then I'm it like, was depressing. Exactly. But it's like, both of them could be really good, but you need somebody who knows how to handle the property. Okay. And considering what a track record they have... Fox has what, like, maybe sixty percent success rate, and I'm being nice when I say Let's that. Let's see, nine, no, technically, two trilogies from X Men. Let's talk about the Wolverine Three. specifically. The Wolverine? No, I'm just talking about Wolverine as the character. 
He's had, what, three standalone films? Correct. How many of them were good? Two. One. I'd say Wolverine was passable. Really? You wouldn't call it, you'd call it good? I liked it. Did you like it like you'd like Logan? No. Like I said, so you've got one fail, one pass, and one phenomenal. Okay. How are they doing with Gambit? Well, he is one of the two gayest X-Men, according to the Archer. Um, However, well, him and what, Cypher? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny, because that's what Joss Whedon would be if he had a power. Cypher? Yeah. I'd buy that. Gambit. Um, one of the most popular of the X-Men. Have you only seen him in one movie? Have you only seen him in Origin? And he's terrible. Not bad casting, though. It's not bad casting. Ta- it's uh, bad writing uh, and bad direction. Is it Taylor Kitsch? I want to yeah, say his name. Taylor is? Kitsch. Same guy who was in um, John Carter. Yeah. Did he make his... Was his big break? Was it Fire Night Lights, I want to say? Yes, it was. Okay. He was one of the leads on that. But like I said, it's not bad acting. It's bad writing and bad direction. Oh, yeah. Origin was fucking terrible. God. Origin was fucking horrendous. Just how stilted... But without, without Origin, we wouldn't have Deadpool. But I'm just saying, how stilted Origin was when she's trying to tell him the story of the Wolverine. Oh, my uh, God. I know. And it's like, I don't want to blame her. And there are good, there are good and elements. bad CGI. There were... My yes. diamond skin! Oh, that was... My terrible claws! Those claws are all right. They, no, they, they were figured out. Him they, in, the, they mi- him in out. the mirror. The claws look terrible. Oh, I don't Wolverine. know about that. There were some good parts of Origin. I mean, Liv Schreiber as, as Sabretooth was good. Liv Schreiber as Sabretooth was great. I mean, he chewed the scenery was... like a motherfucker, but it was worth it. But like I said, no, he was great. And frankly, I'd like to see them with good writing and good direction going head to head. Actually, Because he would have been an excellent there's, there's actually more notes about Logan that I had that tie into Origin. Um, Stop. Continue. Nice. Um... I'm jumping down to the end of the list, but they had a uh, they had X24, which is a younger Wolverine clone, mm-hmm. which I felt really cheated because I would have liked to have seen them do like Liv Schreiber, like I would have liked to have like seen them like do what's well, like well we can't control the Wolverine, but you know who we could have controlled Sabretooth. Sabretooth, and have that like full circle of him fighting his brother again, and then he had like short hair, like it would have totally fucking worked. I think a missed opportunity. It was fun watching Wolverine kind of fight his youth, because it was it was basically the movie Red, where it's like youth versus experience. Nobody's gonna fucking fuck with Helen Mirren. Um, fun fact: Did you know she's a voice in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Universe? Really? Also, yeah. it's Galaxy. What did I say? Oh, universe. I said you're right. You're right, Galaxy. Uh, did you know she's a voice on Hitchhiker's Guide? I had no idea. She's the voice of Deep Thought. That's awesome. It is. Um, other notes on Logan, and then I'll wrap this up. Um, I love that they had Donald Pierce and the and the Reavers, the cyborg enhanced mutant hunters. Um, I thought it was a great villain to pull in, especially for th- the concept of, of Logan, um, especially because you keep seeing like how the the X twenty three program, those young mutants, those new mutants, so to speak, um, how they react to people and how they accidentally cut off a hand or freeze a hand or well, you and I rip off a about... leg or whatever and these security people like just keep getting like cybernetic 
replacements to be able to match the uncontrollable new mutants. I like that. Well, like I said, well, we talked about two things about this one. One, we talked about the allegory between um, puberty and controlling your mutant powers. Yeah, absolutely. Also, it's kind of like Metalocalypse, where nobody ever really dies. You just come back rebuilt and built wrong. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with all of that. Well, no, it's just like I said, nobody ever really dies in Metalocalypse. You just come back with metal legs. I think it's more Archer than it is Metalocalypse. Well, no, because I think they finally killed the guy that keeps getting shot on accident. Brett. Brett. Yes, Brett got finally killed in the FBI raid. Did he? Okay. Poor Brett. Uh, it's a literal magic bullet. Uh, oh, actually, my notes were pretty much done, because it says Old Man Logan, sort of. Um, they do... Well, there's a lot less incest. Okay, that makes it sound like Wolverine commits incest, but... I was talking about the Hulk. Yeah. Uh, in the comics, it's a Hulk, and it's uh, the very Hulk futile. The She-Hulk, and oh, God. Who else was he going to find to keep up? Was it something like, keep up with my pace or something? Something Gross like that. Shit like just, that. She-Hulk's um, his cousin, and there are it, but it's so many it's, it's, horrible incest I would say, movies. now that we've spoiled pretty much everything, um, the premise of the movie is pretty much an older Logan, his healing factor is slowed down, it's not keeping up with, which I loved. Because it's the adamantium bullet, right? It's, wait, what? I was being an asshole, but go ahead. I said adamantium bullet. Well, it's that the his adamantium poisoning is effectively killing him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. His his Much healing like, factor is slowed down to the point where he's got adamantium poisoning. Like I said, a lot of people will have like nickel poisoning from an implant. Well, it's, or like I said, back in the day, lead poisoning. And that that comes from um, an X Men Unlimited um, comic where basically the uh, high evolutionary creates this field around Earth that eliminates, that uh, negates the X gene. And some people are really happy, like Rogue and Nightcrawler. Because Rogue has a terrible power. Right. Um, you know, some characters are just, like, ambivalent about it. Like like Storm, where, well, Storm and Magneto are like, we were tied like natural forces and now we can't feel them. We can live with it, but... Um, we don't like it. You know, but yeah, with Rogue and Nightcrawler, it's like, oh, we can walk among people. And then there's Wolverine, who's like, I have a body full of adamantium and no healing factor, and I'm dying. But I think that's a really real thing that would happen. Like, I mean, that's an actual yeah. fallout. So I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that they actually talked about, about that. Where is it in X Men Two, where Rogue goes to get the cure, or is that in that's three? That's three. Is that in three? Where there was not a good film, but it did have some really good elements. Well, that's because it was still... Singer, yeah. It was still... Well, no. No, it was, well, it was directed not. by Brett Ratner, but it was still Ugh. co-written by um, Singer and Doherty. It still had um, Laura Donner attached to, as producer. Um, so, I mean, so you, you three, did have good people moving things along. Well, it's like three had some scenes that were so good they didn't seem to belong in that movie. Like the scene when they have young Angel trying to cut off his wings in the bathroom. Oh, God, yeah. And then it had the fall. It's Ben Foster acting that, but they have the follow-up uh, scene. No, well, it wasn't Ben Foster, but no, it's no, a no. young angel. Older angel is Ben Foster. Yeah. Like I said, but they have the immediate follow-up scene with him going to get the cure and escaping from the restraints by spreading his wings and breaking out the window. 
those two scenes together were too good for that fucking movie. Well, it was one of those, like, even though he's cutting off, and it's a visceral, I'm, I'm sorry, it's a no, visceral it's, reaction it's to him. It's one of those things, like, the really young to him boy cutting his trying wings to off. make himself normal, and it's just, well, it's so sad and But you look at, if you look at normal human boys, going back to puberty... When the dad's like, you've been in there a while, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, beyond in a minute, like said, you're jerking master- off. It's the but... masturbation scene, but yeah, it's him trying to... And it is a little self-masturbatory. He's, you know, doing what he's doing to make he's... himself feel good, apparently. He's trying I, to I think I'm oversimplifying that. But... He's trying to get his father's approval by being normal, so he's trying to pick out the Oh, that's right, because he's like, and... oh, no, not my son, that's right. Like I said, the dad comes in, it's just the full... Blood and feathers. It's terrible. Which is a very powerful... Very powerful. Like I uh, said, visual. a scene too good for that movie. I think, yeah, I, I think that. I think there. But you f- also have the follow-up scene later on where I want to say it's uh, Iceman comes back, and Rogue is taken the cure and doesn't have her powers anymore, and she's sitting there kind of very sadly, Ye- not knowing where she belongs in the world That's anymore. The, yeah, very end. The very cause... end because she. This is her boyfriend. But she's also taken away the thing that connected them the most, which is the that mutant gene. Yeah. And Wolverine doesn't know what to do. Yeah, he doesn't know what to do. As like a, a surrogate father figure. But it's also in the first film, she talks about her powers, and she's like, the first boy I kissed was in a coma for three weeks. Yeah, Cody. Remember his name. It's in the comics as well. But like I said, it's... Because he comes back. She's so tortured by her powers... And there's actually, in the X-Men 90s cartoon, at some point, somebody comes in and impersonates her and makes out with Rogue and says that she's lost her power. So Rogue goes and finds the... I'm sorry. So Gambit goes and finds the actual Rogue, thinking that she's invited him for some Was that Mimic? I think think it's Mimic. Mimic. But that's at the point where he's under Mr. Sinister's control. But like I said, Mimic... After he brought him back Rogue from the dead. and comes and makes out with Gambit for a few minutes and then walks away. And Gambit, thinking it's some kind of uh, invitation, goes and finds Rogue and immediately touches her and she drains him without even And she starts about it. calling him stupid. I remember that episode. Is it weird that we both remember that? And I remember, Not at all. I've got the whole series on my computer. Not on my computer, but on my computer. Is it weird that I also, whenever I think of 90s X-Men, uh, I was going to say 90s X-Men cartoon Rogue, think of her as having quote-unquote 80s mom hair? No, but I did show you that picture, right? Where it's like, why can't cartoons be drawn like this? Check out that armor. And it's like the perfectly sculpted ass of Rogue. But it's also the thing with Rogue is she was fully covered. Like, she had a phenomenal figure. And they animated her. But like I said, she was fully covered. Yeah. I mean, which made sense to her character. I always hated Jubilee. But maybe that's because she was drawn like an 80s Now she's a vampire, so hit her more. Like I said, I always hated Jubilee, but maybe that's just because she was drawn like an 80s mall rat. She was. That was the whole point of her. And it's really funny because now, you know, the first thing I think of Gambit, I immediately associate it with Diggle's horrible knot mask from Arrow. 90s cartoon Gambit had the weird backwards mask. Yeah, we didn't cover his face, but the rest of his head. Same thing with uh, Diggle. When he starts wearing the, I was going to say, disguise and arrow. He has the, the backwards mask where you can see this part. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. Speaking of DC TV. Because we, really, we really, we really got to slime through this. Um, oh, no. We can't spend a thousand years talking about the 90s X-Men cartoon. No, we cannot. Really? R- really. Um, this was like, other than Gregory Peck and, like, uh, To, to Kill a, a Mockingbird. Mockingbird. 
the best representation of the noble lawyer you could possibly have. Yeah, when Magneto comes like Break free him out of prison, he's like, and he nope, stays, no, I need to stay and stand trial. Yeah, him and like, Gregory Peck and yeah. To Kill a Mockingbird, that's the noble lawyer. Flash, um, you have the second part of uh, Attack on Gorilla City and Attack on Central City. Mm-hmm. I honestly didn't, once again, shot their load. Apparently, um, I read this that any episode with uh, specifically Gorilla Grodd or any other gorilla um, costs 30% more per episode. It's not a shock. Sense. Yeah. Um, but you have the defeat of Grodd via Salivar, which is nice. Um, I you, you find um, Gypsy and Vibe connect more, which is nice because that's a nod to the Justice League Detroit team. Um, Jesse decides to, Jesse Quick decides to stay on Earth 1 with Wally. And, uh, and if that was damned, that burp would have been edited out. Um, it's not damned, though. And then, uh, Barry, uh, proposes to Iris. So, here's the thing. I think it's gonna be a very Whedon downhill slide. Because... he's gonna take her out like Tara? Huh? You think he's going to take her out like Tara? Who's Tara? In Buffy. Oh, uh, no. An ac- no, a very accidental death that basically just rips everyone's heart out. Take who out? Iris. No. Really? Savitar, no, because they've already posited that Savitar kills her. Okay. Remember that from the... That was a long time ago, but yes. It's like six weeks ago, but okay. Um, it's like six weeks ago. <laughs> the mid-season finale when he jumps to the future and sees Savitar kill Iris. So no, I don't think it's accidental at all. But like I said, it's just one of those things where it's... No, I, I don't think it's going to happen. It's a matter of how to stop it happening. My point is on it's the whole Whedon thing... I've never been particularly attached to Iris, so yeah. In terms of the Whedon thing, are there going to be happy endings? Um, my note says no happy endings because at the very end of the episode you have Wally running, he's happy, he's got Jesse, they're going to find a place even though he's not super thrilled about that, and I understand that, um, but, and then Savitar shows up and that's where the episode ends. Are they going to pull a Whedon and will love survive? That's a rhetorical question because we're also running low on time. Um, it's fine, we'll just pretend Ryan's here and go an hour and a half. No, we won't. Um... In terms of Arrow... You're not the boss of me. I'm taking hair off your sweatshirt. Oh, okay, I was like, you're trying to tickle me into submission. No, God, I know Um, better than that. I was taking some hair strands off your sleeve. uh, In terms of Arrow, it seems... And I say it seems because I'm not buying it. It seems we have the... Have you seen it? No, but I'm so far behind, it doesn't matter. Are you sure? Yeah. Because they revealed Prometheus. Ooh, nice. So, if you don't want to know... Spoilers. Spoilers. uh, I'm trying to see if I can... I, I I cannot talk about the reveal and still talk about the episode if you want me to. No, I'm fine. Reveal. It's my own fault I'm behind. It appears to be Adrian Chase. Nice. Um, I disagree because I had it pegged as vigilante for... Yeah, no, and we talked about at this the very for beginning. What, like the last three episodes? Yeah. You're like, vigilante, vigilante. Honestly, I think it might be a little disassociative disorder. I think he might be both. That would be an interesting twist. I think there's a Jekyll and Hyde, and then, like, the middle ground. I think there's, like, 
the, the you think Adrian might be the middle and Vigilante is one side and Prometheus is the other? Yeah, I think I think Adrian Chase is like the fulcrum um, type of thing. Okay. I think that whatever he feels um, in terms of honor or justice might fall under the purview of Vigilante or the Green Arrow, and I don't or um, uh, Prometheus, sorry, and I don't think that each personality is talking to the other one. Because vigilante well, most of the time seems personalities don't talk like that, right? Because vigilante seems not to know that the Green Arrow is Ollie, but Prometheus does. Um, whether Adrian Chase does or not, I don't know. It could be very psychologically compartmentalized. Hmm. That is my new theory. How long um, do you think we'll have to wait? I think maybe tops two weeks on that one. Okay. Um, I did like that they introduced um, Mr. Terrific's T spheres. Which was at the very beginning of the, the season. I think he was working on those. Um, but they just keep referring to them as his balls. Let's like, did you bring your Mr. balls with you? Let's talk about Mr. Prometheus' balls some more. Mr. Terrifics? Excuse me. Um, they, so they do talk about his balls a lot, which I think was a note uh, a couple episodes ago that they just kept bringing up balls um, on Arrow. It was very odd. You also realize that it is the CW, so... Yeah, I think they're pushing the envelope in terms of language, so to speak. I honestly think they do. The fact that, like, at one point, Black Canary says, is it Black Canary? It says something about having your balls in a sling. To have that set on network TV is, I think, pushing it a little. Not, I actually don't. I, 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 I mean, I mean in terms of standards and practices, I not me personally. You can say bitch now, so it's okay. Can you? Yeah, you can say oh, bitch. okay. Um, and then, Ollie has disavowed the Green Arrow. As a hero. Interesting. Well, you know, he's responsible for um, Felicity's boyfriend's death. Yes. Is it Billy, I think? Oh, Billy. And uh, it's revealed that, you know, the mayor's office and the DA, Adrian Chase, um, covered up the evidence that Green Arrow had killed him. Because they knew that the Green Arrow had been set up. You can't say that out in the public. Um, well, unless you have proof, you can't say anything. They didn't. They only had faith in Green Arrow. Like which said, we know why Wally ha- or uh, Ollie has it, but... but it's just, you're being tried in the court of public opinion. So they've had to basically go, yeah, we covered this up, but you know what? No more, and the Green Arrow may not be the hero we think he is, and he may be, you know, public enemy number one or two. Him and, and, One or and, two. Well, just Prometheus, the what, throwing star killer, whatever they call him. Um, so the fact that Ollie as a mayor has disavowed Green Arrow is very interesting. Um, I love the idea of that conflict of him basically fighting against himself. But I mean, that's kind of been Ollie since the beginning of the series. Is he has the two halves of himself that he can't seem to reconcile? Yeah, I agree. And I mean, even since the first episode, the first time he reunites with Thea. He's completely split as a person. He wants to be the big brother, happy to be with his little sister again, happy to be with the family, but he also feels like he has this giant obligation to do right by the city that his father completely effed in the end. Well, and you also find out that, you know, through the flashbacks of the last couple seasons... He had many opportunities to come back, and he didn't. So, Like I said, he comes back and Thea is such a damaged person that I think he has a hard time reconciling. Sorry, I didn't mean to sit up and sit forward. Damn. 
has a hard time reconciling himself to the two halves of himself. And I mean, that's between the seasons where Tommy dies with the glades going under and him trying to become a different kind of hero. I would almost say different kind of vigilante, but you know what I mean. Where I think he's still, because of... I'd say trauma? I'd say trauma. The trauma he went through between being this playboy who's sleeping with his girlfriend's sister on a boat and trying to survive on this insane island and then becoming basically an assassin for hire and then trying to come back to the life he has before. He's never been able to reconcile all these different pieces of himself together, which is what makes an interesting and complex hero, but is also still just a little bit convoluted. So, I mean, him disavowing Green Arrow as a hero, even though he knows it's himself being the mayor, it could just be a political move. But it could also just be some of his insecurities about all the actions he's taken. I think it's very much, I think it's a political move, but um, I think it does shed light on the doubt that's been put on him season after season in terms of the first season he was a killer. Uh-huh. And this season had um, the... She wasn't Cupid, what do they call her? Whatever, the uh, Artemis. The Artemis char- character is saying, like, you killed. What makes you any different than the people out there? Like, why can't we kill? Do they mean to justify the ends? Well, it's, it's the whole Huntress thing. Yeah. And no, they, I agree. They, like I said, they, they explored that... Excuse me, I have a burp stuck in me. They explored that in the first season where Huntress was a killer. First season? Second season. First season? I feel like Huntress was pretty early on, but it might be second season. Either way. I think it's second season, because he wouldn't let Huntress kill her father. Yeah, okay. Like I said, it's the whole Huntress thing, where she saw it as a means to an end, and he saw it as losing your humanity. Yeah. Well, at that point in time. Um, Then. So, uh, Legion? Go ahead. You know who pops up on this episode, Deb? Aubrey Plaza? Yes. Squirrel Girl? Well, we'll get... I realize get, I'm going to we'll, say that remind, every remind time me, we Remind say... me about Aubrey Plaza in a second, because I, I know we've talked about a, a trivia thing with her uh, on the show, and that kind of gets paid off okay. in a way that I didn't think they were going to, actually. Interesting. Uh, Jermaine Clement pops up. Really? Now, if you go back and watch the first... No. Second episode... From the second episode... His voice is always there. Okay, you just don't realize it's him. He's kind of the, like, Jarvis of, of the oh, Summerland. Oh, got it. Um, okay. But then you find out that it's uh, Gene Smart's husband who's trapped in the astral plane. Okay. Which Legion ends up in, which... You know that the whole show is, like, very... Uh, dream symbolism and very trippy. It's a little Inception. Yeah, yeah. It's also a little bit, um... I would say Jack Nicholson's the head, but... No, hold on. The monkey's the head. Tell monkeys. Crap. Who's in it? Kate Winslet and Jim Carrey. Eternal Sunshine. There we go. Um... No, it's when they slip into the subconscious. Yeah, yeah. the symbolism. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's a lot of, like, symbolism and stuff. Um, this is Legion... He's been drugged. I mean, he agreed to it, uh, but he's been like, it's the space between subconscious and unconscious. I think is how they describe it. Okay. It's a place that, like, like 
mentally powered like mutants can go. Okay. The astral plane. I realize that just makes me think stranger things when they're in the under. It is very much that. Um, very dreamlike. Um, but Jermaine Clements there as the deep sea diver, they keep calling him. Um, is he a holy diver? No, he is not a holy diver. Damn it. Um, he has not uh, been too long down to the midnight sea. Actually, he has. Um, actually, he has. Once again, uh, the time period that this all happens, I love that they're playing with. Um, Jermaine Clement coming in as as the doctor and as this weirdly un, unreliable narrator at the very beginning is well, phenomenal. But I mean, that's essentially kind of the whole series is you don't know what narrative to trust. You and Yeah, you don't know what's real, who's real. What memories um, are real. You and I had talked about, I don't know if we did it off air or on air, that um, Aubrey Plaza's character was originally written as like a middle-aged, like, balding guy. Were you and I talking about this? No, that no. wasn't us. Um, that must have been a co-worker. Um, that Aubrey Plaza's character, Lenny, was originally written as like a, a aging, middle-aged gentleman. Which is funny, because you say Lenny, and I immediately just go to Of Mice and Men. I was going to go Lenny and Squiggy, actually. Uh, no, I went up Mice and Men. Yeah. If Lenny was not dumb and a drug dealer, yeah. Um, he has a force of personality as opposed to, like, retarded strength. But, yeah. Can you nod? That's a thing. Yeah, no, can you nod? Well, let me finish and we can move on. Um, and that when Aubrey Plaza auditioned, like, the, the guy who created the show, um, Noah... Felty? Falry? Whoever did uh, Fargo. Um, I think it's Felty. Is it Felty? But I uh, could be completely wrong. I think we are. But, um... The creator of Fargo? The show, not the movies. That's what I meant. Yeah. Uh, I think it's Felty? F-A-W-T-L-Y? I, I think. My point is... It could be pronounced that 20 different ways. It doesn't matter. The point is that... Uh, when Aubrey Plaza auditioned, he was like, let me rethink the character, and she went, no, keep all the dialogue as the same, and I'll deliver it as me impersonating an old, a, a middle-aged white person. But it's the same thing that happened with Hot Fuzz, where uh, Nick's character was written to be a female character named Violet, and they decided... Nick Frost character? Yeah. He was supposed to be a female character named Violet when they uh, wrote the film initially. And they reused huge chunks of the dialogue unaltered when they actually cast it as a male character. Is that true? Yeah, it's 100% true. Huh. You don't know how to switch off! Yeah. See? Okay. Yeah. Which is what yeah. Kate Blanchett's character says. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so you do have this reveal that, um, despite you have only seen Lenny played by Aubrey Plaza... Now, if they go through certain memories, he's a middle-aged, balding white guy. I really like that, especially because they didn't play Aubrey Plaza as the sexy love interest, despite no. the fact that she's beautiful and charming, and I would totally hit that. You would, too. Oh, I know. But like I said, I love the fact that they didn't play on her sex appeal. No, they didn't. No follow-up? Uh, Do you my, have any other my, notes? My last, my last note on Legion is just... What the fuck? Because um, this show, yeah, because this show just gets fucking weirder 
and weirder and better and better. It's kind of like watching Mr. Robot for the first time. It's where a, you just you keep peeling back the layers and you're like, what the I, fuck? I think that what or, the fuck? Um, even uh, 12 Monkeys, the show. Um, Absolutely. Where, well, like especially said, if you binge it, you're just like, Oh, that connects to this, and that connects to like this. Said, you keep but where does that back, connect? Like I said, you keep peeling back it, the layers and finding more. It's molds. the most entertaining onion on the planet, mm-hmm. um, in terms of peeling back layers. Great metaphor. Um, I watched Masterminds with Zach Galifianakis. Oh yeah, we're getting through this. No, that's not what I was giggling. I'm giggling that you and I had the same conversation we did last week about the two different masterminds, except it's Mastermind. And then masterminds. Oh, because only And then we had throat. the whole thing about the keeping up with the Joneses, because the two films seem kind of similar to me. Um, so I did finish watching Masterminds with uh, Zach Galifianakis, Kristen Wiig, uh, what's the... Jason Sudeikis? Jason Sudeikis, uh, Luke Wilson, no. Luke? Owen, Owen, Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson? Um, who's the, who plays like the, the Bill Murray character in the female Ghostbusters? Is it Kate? Uh, Kennan? Kate McKinnon. Yeah, it is Kate McKinnon. And who's the? Oh my God, her impressions are out of this freaking world. Who's the black lady? Is it Cicely? No, it's Leslie Jones. Leslie Jones is in it. John Daly's in it. Which if I showed you, I love John Daly. Do you know who I'm? Okay. Yes. No, I've seen him on At Midnight tons of times. Yeah. John Daly. I love John Daly. Um, Which of course makes me wonder what his drink would be like. I don't know what that means. Um, A ton of people are in it. It is, and Kate McKinnon, by the way, is like in maybe. Three scenes, but steals the fucking show. That's that's kind of her thing. Um, her impressions are out of this world. It's not an impression. She is but so. But every skit that she's in, her face is so animated and changeable. No, this is she del- plays it really like straight and deadpan. Like I said, like, her it delivery is phenomenal. Is yeah, um, I didn't a realize that this was based on a true story. What? Yeah. Of what? Uh, to uh, Loomis Fargo uh, people stealing seventeen million dollars. Like it's. Did they get away with it? Get away with it? There is still almost three million unaccounted for. Yes, but are they in jail? No. Well, one of them is. But, but what's the other one doing? Well, it's they turned in the mastermind. They snitched. Um, but okay. it's really fucking funny. I I really liked it. Um, you know, they shelved it for a couple of years before they released it. Why do you think that was? I would say, A, probably marketing problem. Um, In what way? It's, well, is it a heist movie? Is it a comedy? Is it a comedy heist movie? Why can't is it? Is it a thriller? Um, I, I think that, also, it's, it's, I think it had a very distinctly indie feel. Oh, okay. So they didn't know how to market it. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, I don't think they knew how to market it. It's a, it's a marketing problem. Because, um, I mean, you have all these people, and half of them, you know, it's like... It's like how, you know, like, when you have someone who, like, breaks really big, um, has, like, a huge breakout, and then they release, like, three or four movies, like, back-to-back. Like, M- Melissa McCarthy's a really good example. Well, I was actually thinking uh, Chris Helmsworth and The Red Dawn. Because, like, right after he broke with Thor, they released that horrible remake of Red Dawn they did. That they did Red hated. Dawn, they did... Bl- well, Black Hat was afterwards. But you know what I'm oh saying? Like, that they, that they had, like, all these movies, like, that the studio had done with them that didn't know... They didn't know what they were going to do with it. Well, it's like they've got these movies in the chamber and they haven't decided which one they want to fire yet. Well, and they're just... No. Not at all. Um, I, I... No. That's not my point. The point is that they have these movies they don't know what to do with. They're going to stick them in a vault. 
Um, you're going to see him on on demand. You're going to see him through iTunes. You're going to you're not going to see him through theatrical release. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They don't know what to do with them. They don't think they're going to make money. They'll release them in January, whatever. Um, they're part of an app, whatever it is. And Melissa McCarthy is a huge, really good example of that. You know, she broke with um, bridesmaids. Bridesmaids. And I'm pretty sure Masterminds was actually shot pre-Bridesmaids. Mm, I disagree with that. Um, why didn't they release it after that? Because that was, she's not in it, so it's no. A bad but it example. was Kristen Wiig's big break was in Bridesmaids, and she's in. Masters. I said Melissa McCarthy. Yes, but I'm talking about time-wise with the star breaking. Probably, but at that point, like that was also when Jason Sudeikis was starting to make it real big. I was getting him and Ed Helms confused, so I was going to say no. Hang over. Oh my god, they're completely different people. No, they still have that weird Gumby haircut. Jason Sudeikis is good looking, and Ed Helm is annoying. Give you that one, but they but they have these movies chambered where like you know most of McCarthy had bit parts or Kristen Wiig had bit parts, and then they go oh well if you have a big breakout character we've got these like movies where you know we can we can top bill her even though she's you know, a tertiary character seconds, yeah yeah so or it was written by her um, you know whether it's good or not um, I'm not knocking Kristen Wiig by any means but it's like. You know, they can capitalize on it. There's so many ways So I think Masterminds is one of those movies where it took the perfect storm of, like, it's got Kristen Wiig, it's got half the cast of Ghostbusters, it's got Zach Galifianakis, um, you know, and they went, here you go. And Masterminds was still not a huge hit. I feel like it was still marketed badly. Oh, absolutely. It should have been released on an indie film, maybe on the Sundance Channel, you don't think iTunes they should, you on don't demand think they should have gone for a theater release. Not a big budgeted marketing like it's not going to be like the they money they're putting into Thor three or Logan or anything like that. Uh, That's Ragnarok, not going to happen. By the way, yeah, three three in a rock. Ragnarok. Thirty rock. It's got three and rock in it. Thor thirty rock. You'd watch the shit of that. Don't pretend like you wouldn't. Actually, I'd really love to see Tina Fey interact with Thor. Actually, I'd like to see Alec Baldwin's character, Jack Donaghy, interact Talk with Thor. Talk to Thor. Oh my god, with Tracy Morgan there? Can you imagine it? Like, the two You'd ultra... just be like, good god, Odin's son. But like I said, the two, like, ultra-alpha males with Tracy Jordan there, who in his own mind is an alpha male, but he's really not. I'd watch the shit out of that. Yeah, I'd watch the shit out of that. Thor, 30 Ragnarok. Yeah. I love it. Um, You're right. We do need to start videotaping these so people can see when we generate high Yeah, we'll do a, we'll do a GIF later. Yeah, then I have to actually start like dressing for this as opposed to wearing... For a GIF? Like I said, then I'm supposed to wearing my pajamas with socks and a hat on. That's right. And that's how the sausage is made, folks. That's right. I got no bra on. Let... Awkward, I guess. I don't know. Is yeah, go look at the weird crease in my sweatshirt where you can't see anything. No, you literally have like a weird third boob erection thing going on. Yeah, it's because I'm wearing a sweatshirt that doesn't form things. You're like that just... prostitute in, in No, it's uh, a plastic uh, zipper. They warp when you put them in the washer. I met her tits, folks. Ha! <laughs> what notes do you have, Doug? Lastly, uh, you had talked to me off air last week about... Uh, Watching Vice Principals, which is... Well, yeah, it's Walter Goggins and Danny... McBride. McBride, sorry. Um, but I it's created by Danny Mc... It's... No. It's created by Danny McBride and Joda Hill, who did Eastbound and Down. 
So I was reading an article about premium cable network shows that nobody watched that everybody should have. And this show popped up. Yes. And I immediately saw Walter Goggins, and I'm like, why the hell haven't we watched this? Because you were like the consummate Walter Goggins fan. I am. And I, I knew he was in it. I just, I, I don't have the time to watch everything. Well, it was, like I said, the article was about shows that nobody watched that had been canceled too soon, which is funny because you corrected me on this. And they said they did two seasons and then it ended the series. Yes. And I said both of them had aired, and I was completely wrong. Correct. The, new, the second season, the final season, uh, airs this year. Um, basically, they had been signed up for, I think, 18 episodes, but decided to cut it into two nine-episode seasons that concluded. So, I wouldn't say it was canceled. No, I wouldn't but say I, it's... I know, they, but they, I know what you're saying. Like I said, they, they had their run, and they decided they were done. Here's the thing, though. Mary. Pretty much, yeah. Should have gone at least one more season. I think he's good. I think he caught up with where he is in his actual life, and he doesn't want to make things up. So give him like another six years, and then he'll do another spurt of episodes. Yeah, when no one cares. Yeah, pretty much. That's Marin. That is Marin. (laughs) You're right, that is Marin. However, what I was saying is I literally never heard of this show before I read this article. And I'm like, I read a lot of entertainment news and pop culture news and TV reviews and film reviews. I keep up on that constantly. And these are both two actors that I'm interested in, and I had literally never heard of the series until now. No. And considering how much you love Walter Goggins, I'm like, what the absolute fuck? How could neither of us have watched this series? So I immediately I, texted I, I you it. with, a, I think, a link or at least a, sc- a screen grab. I, uh, neither. Um, really? Yeah, we talked off air last week about it. I could have sworn I mailed you something. Um, oh, well. Unimportant. I honestly thought that the first season was still going, so I was waiting to binge it. Which I get. That's that's a very Deborah thing to do. I waited until Justified ended as a series before I watched. Goggins. Yeah, exactly. Before I watched a single episode. But it's just one of those things where it's it's kind of like Arrested Development, where it was a critical darling, but nobody fucking watched it. And you keep getting like little glimpses of hope, like maybe we'll get some more. And you know the Netflix season wasn't as good as the other seasons. Did I like it? Yes, absolutely, but it still wasn't as good as the other seasons. So I, I think I a lot think, of people have a problem with the fourth season because Mitch Herbert's decided to really fuck with structure. Well, it's it's the thing is that you can't watch that sporadically. You have to watch that as a binge. Because and I think he built it as no, such. I get that he built it as such. It was just so jarring from how the previous seasons were. That's what I'm saying. I think a lot of people have problems with it. But he took a hard left, and we all lost something out the side window. I, yeah. But Vice Principals, um, the first season ends on a cliffhanger that I'm not even going to talk about. Okay. And I've ruined Logan already. It's fine. Um, I do love. Second season start airing. This year, that's all I've got. That's bullshit. Um, I do love that they once again subvert these tropes. That's what, and I was listening to a, a, a podcast with um, Dan McBride and Jonah Hill about this, mm-hmm. and Walter Goggins actually. Mm-hmm. I think they're promoting the first season uh, on the Nerdist, and they talked about how there's that movie where the principal comes in. To like the you know inner city school and wants to make it better. It's and called then, Stand and Deliver. There are several. Also, to serve with love. Thank you, Stanley. Dangerous Cordier. Minds. 
I'm going to go to Sir with love, saying, Can you stand my pointy? Okay. This is a story about two vice principals who get mis- displaced by that principal. Mm-hmm. And are like, we're going to take her down. Okay. Because we want her job. Fair enough. Because you never see the vice principals in those movies we've talked about. Stand, Deliver, Dangerous Minds, whatever. You know, I actually... Well, Dangerous Minds didn't have a principal, but... It, well, it did. But, like, you know what I mean? Did like, it? I think it did. It's been a really long time. For Dangerous Minds? Yeah. But yeah, like, but, like, Stand, Deliver... Uh, was that the one with, um... I think that was the one with... Oh, uh, yeah. I can see his face uh, and I... uh, uh, Edward James almost. No. No. Yes, yes. That yes. was the one with Edward James almost. But you know what I mean? Like, that... Like, you always see, like... But it's like that idea of like the teacher coming in or the principal coming in and going, we're gonna like we're gonna turn the school around. But you never see like, the people underneath him were like, I should have had that job. I could turn the school around, and now I'm gonna like you know uh, uh, sabotage you. But I want you that's, to think about that's how they're they're subverting that trope, and it's so about, fucking funny. Think about your junior high and high school experience, though. How many times did you actually see the principal, as opposed to how many times you um, actually saw the vice principal? Because the vice principal, in general, is more in charge of disciplinary action. I... So and being, they get into that. They get into that with, with like I said, So being a dickbag kid... Like I said, I probably saw the vice principal, even if it's just in the halls or around, uh, act, saw him at least we, twice as much as the actual principal. Weirdly enough, uh, the principal in, um, in vice principals reminded me a lot of my English teacher in high school, um, who Sorry. eventually became a principal for a different high school... Miss um, Grant, so it was. It, it had a little bit of weird resonance, but um, I, other than that, like I can't remember. I I couldn't tell you my high school principal's name. I couldn't either. I can think of at least two of the vice principals, uh, mostly because they were all. vice principals and also worked as guidance counselors. Mm, no, I don't have that at all. And also, uh, my high school economics and I want to say it was world history teacher. His name was Mr. Valdez. Um, was offered, like, a bunch of dis- different principal positions and turned them all down and ended up retiring. And he now wanted he's... to make coffee. No, he ended up retiring, and now he manages one of the largest liquor stores in Colorado, Apple Jacks. Wow, really? Yeah. Wow. That was my high school economics teacher. Um, he was a wonderful man, and I do not know how I passed. I will say Danny McBride is very Danny McBride in this movie. Um, if you watched, like, like I said, if you watched like Earthbound... Like, more than uh, Her Highness, or, like, less than Tropic Thunder? Very East... Well, I wouldn't say Eastbound and Down. Um, I would say more... More Tropic Thunder. Where he just really wants to do a good job, but he's kind yeah. of an idiot? He's not an idiot. Big fat titties. Nobody can see me punching the buttons to make um, the explosions he, go he's, off. He's not an idiot. I mean, he got into vice principal. Um, but he's very, he's, he's very disciplinarian slash school spirit, which okay. is in stark contrast to Walter Goggins, who is very political, very pandering, a bit of a sycophant. So he just wants to be principal. He doesn't give a fuck about anything else. Yes, but he plays a very effeminate character. Oh my god, I need to watch the crap out of this. Who is married? He's not gay. No, but he's he's a little bit soft. It's like bow ties and tight jeans and sweater vests. You could just say metrosexual. Yeah, very metrosexual. Um, But once you get into 
the characters' lives, it really does flesh them out in a way that I was very surprised by. Um, in terms of the depth that they bring, the emotion they bring, um, Vice Principals, fantastic show. Okay. Deb, watch it. Especially because you recommended it to me, well, it's just and I watched it without you. I don't illegally download things. I'll throw it on a drive for you. No, well, I, I don't know if I can or not. That's another story that we'll have off air like I said, for legal we, reasons. We have to set up the computer first. Okay, we'll get to that. But it hasn't been sitting there for three months? Longer than that. Four months? Mm. When was Eisenhower president? The 70s? There you go. When did Legion happen? Ha <laughs> ha! Ooh! So. Do you have any more notes? No. Nope. Um, so I watched Making History Pilot. It's the new pilot on Fox with Adam Paley, and I think that... Did you say Making History Pilot? It's called Making History. It was the pilot. Okay. Sorry. I just wanted to make sure you weren't having a stroke. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, I'm a big fan of Adam Paley. He's been on two shows that I like. I know you hate the Mindy Project, but he actually played a really good character on that that I liked, and he was the gay character in Happy Endings, and I fucking love that show. He was in, um... He's been in a lot of A movie we talked about. It's uh, not narrowing it down. With T.J. Miller, and... It's like The Hangover, but not. Um, the Rescue, the... Uh, I can't look it up because our phone... No, it's, it's fine. It's fine. But like I said, I'm a big fan of his. I think he's really funny. The show has a lot of potential, but the first episode was super awkward, and it doesn't help that they have... Rescue Party! I'm not familiar with that movie, but okay. You should be. We talked about it, like, a while ago. With T.J. Miller and... No? Okay. So, this was the pilot on Fox that went up this Sunday. They did very little marketing for it, so I think they're kind of already planning on getting rid of it. Like, I only ever heard uh, about like it, the like... the Doctor movie with the, with the Doctor show with the monkey. Um, Animal, Animal Practice? Animal Practice? I think it was Animal Practice. Yeah, the, the, the Animal Hospital with the monkey and the fire truck. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, the toy fire truck that he would drive around in. Sure. Yeah. But like I said, it's one of those where they did very little marketing on it, so it's like, yeah, we ordered these, you know, five episodes, but we're not going to order anything mm. else. Which sucks, because it does actually have some pretty talented people attached to it. Do you remember who played John Ralphio in Parks and Rec? Ben Schwartzman? Yeah, he's also one of the writers on the show. Nice! Like I said, so it has some really talented people attached to it, but I don't think Fox is putting a lot of money and or time into it. He has an uncredited appearance. Never mind, that was Jason Schwartzman. Uh, I really liked him as the bunny in the third season of BoJack Horseman. He's ben like, Schwartzman. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, Rabbitswitz, or whatever. It's like Rabowitz or something like that. Where he starts the... He starts the thing with Princess Carolyn, Uh and then he never leaves his wife, and then they have like a thousand bunnies together. Like you do. Like you do. What else did I do this week? I finally finished binge-watching all 18 seasons of Law & Order Special Victims Unit. I am not afraid of rape. I am afraid that I'm going to find a body. I am the opposite. You're afraid of rape? Yep. You know, raping a man's actually pretty hard. Is it? They'd actually have to be, like, insanely more physically powerful than you, Doug. Yeah, but I'm a prototypical beta male, so... You're not a weak man, and you would always fight back against rape. Oh, yeah. 
Exactly. Like I said, you're not a weak man, and you would always fight back against rape. Yeah, but, like, what's his name? I mean, they would have to completely incapacitate you. Thank you for the compliment. But it's true. They'd have to knock you out to rock you out. I never, I could literally never see you in a scenario. No, no, in a (laughs) scenario where, like, I mean, sometimes to survive, especially as a woman, sometimes to survive, you just have to physically submit. Dude, it's either let them kill you or let them rape you. You can survive a rape. You can't survive death. Yes, these are things that happen to women. In movies? No, in real life. I wish you guys could see all the awkward mouth motions he's making. But like I said, I can't see you ever being in that mindset. Of kill or be raped? Like I said, I can't see you ever thinking submit or die. I'd see you choosing death over submit. Yeah, it's a whole thing from Preacher where he's like, on my, like, oral virginity, like, yeah. I swear on my anal virginity. Yeah. I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just your mindset. It's my ass set. If you like this, check out some of our other shows like D20 Proof, Knapsack Comedy, and Mr. Right. You can find us at www.bacnpodcast.com and by searching for BACN on iTunes and Stitcher. Oh, yeah.